there. This is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love to talk to creative people about how they do their thing and how they hang in through all the ups and downs. Today, I have two guests, the actors from the new film, The Way Out. They are Mike Manning and Johnny Beauchamp. They star in this thriller from the director, Barry J., who uh, is an experienced filmmaker, but he's also known as the founder of Barry's Boot Camp. So if you ever went to one of those classes and almost died like I did, it's his fault. Um, this is, I believe, his third film. It's called The Way Out. It's a really kind of creepy, cool, thoughtful thriller. It reminded me of that movie I loved from the 80s called Apartment Zero about um, about two guys in a living situation and things that go uh, crazy. Johnny Beauchamp plays Alex, who is an aspiring songwriter, but he's also an addict and he's really in a rough place. And uh, he takes in a roommate uh, named Shane, played by Mike Manning. Uh, Shane's got a lot of charisma. He tries to get Alex to sort of man up in his life. And then things go a little bit sideways. Um, I really enjoyed watching it, and I really enjoyed talking to these two actors. Johnny, uh, you may have seen in Stonewall, Penny Dreadful. Mike Manning was originally on The Real World um, back in the day, but he's also been in the show uh, The Bay, where he won a couple of Emmys. Um, General Hospital. Um, he was the Manny on This Is Us not so long ago. So these guys are great, and I was so uh, happy to get to talk to them. But before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that this podcast, Dennis Anyone, is brought to you by me, pretty much. Um, I have some help mixing it on the other end in New York with uh, AJ Sousa. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty much me. And there are two ways you can support it if you like what you hear and want to keep it going. You can go to DennisAnyone.net slash support and leave a tip in my virtual tip jar. And I'm very grateful to say that listener Matt Z uh, left me a nice tip. Um, and Matt is a big um, supporter. He's often emailed me about other things that I've done. He remembers my books and stuff. So it's very sweet uh, to get that email and that tip. Um, you can do that. Or you can become a subscriber to DNR Studios. DNR Studios is a group of shows that I'm a part of. For a monthly fee, you get my show two days early, and you also get all these other terrific shows, and you can learn about that at dnrstudios.com. I also want to get a plug-in for The Mismatch Game. It's our crazy little thing called Love Edition, February 10th and 11th, Friday and Saturday, pre-Valentine's, pre-Super Bowl. Uh, come and laugh with us, and you can learn uh, about that and get more tickets at lalgbtcenter.org. Also, the ticket link is in my Instagram bio, Dennis C. Hensley. All right, that's enough for the plugs. Here now is the interview with Mike Manning and Johnny Beauchamp, the stars of The Way Out. Joining me now are the two stars of the movie The Way Out. Mike Manning is zooming in from Los Angeles. Johnny Beauchamp is in New York. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. So a friend of mine sent me the link to this movie and said, you should try to watch this and maybe have these people on your podcast. And I, and I popped it in. And you just never know when you get something like that. And I got so sucked into the story. I thought it was so well done. I thought you guys were both great. I thought it was about real stuff, which you don't often see in thrillers, you know? And so I was like, I'm going to see if I can, I can do a podcast about this. And here we are. So um, Johnny, why don't you start? Why don't you tell people who know nothing about the movie a little bit about it? Like, what's it about? It's pretty tough. It's a dark movie, uh, but I guess it centers around two boys uh, who are, I would say, maybe around their 20s and stuff. But uh, something terrible happened to both of them. Um, and it just kind of shows you how 
different you can react to it one of one boy kind of lashes out at the world and the other boy sort of lashes out at himself uh that would be my character alex um and so it was it's really different. I really enjoyed it. I, when I read it, I, I told Mike the story too. When I read it the first time, I read it on like a Monday morning and like I freaked out uh, because I guess it was a recast. And so I, I wanted to make sure that I was considered for it. So I was able to like track the casting director and Barry, the director writer down that day and was like, Hey, and just was able to grab it. Which is great. Right. You just jumped on it. It spoke to you and you were like, I'm on it. Um, your character, Alex, is dealing with sobriety. He's in a really low place in his life. He's trying to get it together. And Mike's character, uh, Shane, enters his life. And Mike, how would you describe Shane? So I think that Shane is the extreme of... Shane is the person that we all wish we could be if we were hurt and we want revenge. Uh, he has no filter. He uses uh, his physical self to intimidate and um and he doesn't matter it doesn't matter to him who he hurts in the process he's somebody that has grown up and he's become a fighter because of some of the awful things like like uh johnny said that happened to both these characters shane had that as well um and shane learned how to fight back by uh sort of just fighting everybody that um gets in the way of him and what he wants and 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 my actually origin story with this is is the opposite of johnny's um, so Johnny saw this and said, I see this as a challenge. I want to take this. I want to be this character. And he fought for it. Um, Barry, I found out about this project through a friend of mine, Nick Thur, who is a producer on this film. And when Barry first asked me if I wanted to play Shane, I said, oh, I don't know. I, uh, give me give me a day to think about it because it's a more intense character than I've ever played before. Um, you know, he he had to battle with some pretty dark things as you know, in his past and to, you know, to do the character justice, I had to build that backstory. Um, and also he's just very violent and very, without giving anything away, just very vengeful and uh, full of rage. And, um, and so it kind of scared me and I said, give me 24 hours. I'll think about it. And the next day I said, okay, I have to say yes. I, if I don't say yes to this, I'll regret it. Uh, because it's just such a fun opportunity to explore some of those darker themes with a character. Well, part of why it works, at least for me, was that you have a different image and other things that we've seen you in. So you're like, wait, that's that sweet guy, and he's he's doing some really fucked up shit. Like, it, that's yeah. what's so disarming about it, and I, and I think yeah. why it works. One of the things that struck me as I was watching it is, like, this movie is about the most real stuff it can be about. It's about abuse. It's about sobriety. It's about how we feel about ourselves. And it almost felt to me like, should we be digging into this stuff in a in a genre movie yes we should it's part of mm -hmm. the, the world but there was this thing it felt dangerous because it wasn't about something kind of like over there it was about the way we feel about ourselves talk about that part of the story and and how you felt about it yeah i mean johnny can speak for how he felt i i would argue that uh the horror genre is the perfect genre to explore some of those themes. I think that with a genre film like this and with horror in general, there's sort of an element of escapism that audiences have when they go see it in theaters or when they watch it on TV. And I feel like with the horror genre, because the audience is sort of at arm's length, right. the, that, genre, that genre is perfect for filmmakers to explore dark themes like abuse and revenge um, and things like that, while still, you know, allowing the audience to live in that, knowing that they can step out of it in any moment. So um, that's sort of something that Barry wanted to do, because this story is loosely based on 
Barry, the writer-director, his life and some of the things that happened to him. And he said, he sort of made a deal with himself. He said, if I'm going to tell the story, I want to tell it in, in a raw, real way, especially when it comes to overcoming abuse and the issue of alcoholism. Um, and so with Alex's character, he really wanted to, you know, have Johnny show the struggle and what addicts go through and people that are trying to work through their their abuse and their addictions and everything else. And then Shane, he really wanted to show if that uh, trauma is not answered and if that trauma is sort of bubbling below the surface for long enough, it can manifest itself in really awful ways. And so on on Shane's side, we really had to go for it in terms of the pain and the hurt and the the rage. And that's how you get these two sort of similar characters that are handling this abuse in the opposite sort of ways. Yeah. Well, you both do a really good job at inhabiting these characters. Johnny, how did you find Alex? Did you do a lot of research into the world? Did you talk to people that were dealing with those issues? Like, how did you approach him? Well, I actually, I had all of, I think, about a week, maybe yeah. two weeks before we started shooting. So I was, I jumped right into it. I, um, I reached out to a friend of mine who's in recovery um, and has been sober for almost 10 years. And just to kind of understand the world, they really loved um, going to AA. And they said that, that they attributed AA to a lot of their success with sobriety. So I, I didn't, it was kind of still during the pandemic. So I didn't have to go to an AA meeting because I felt like you know, you, there was mostly Zooms and stuff like that. Right. Not so many in person, but I felt intrusive. But you just she pop up me, in the Zoom and you're like, I'm here. You just do a little wave. I'm, yeah. I'm here just listening. <laughs> yeah. Just taking a few uh, notes. Yeah, that, that would be I a little weird. I, I was there for a Zoom with her. She was at the Zoom and I was just in the room with her, um, sort of taking notes and stuff like that, um, which is really helpful. And I, I spoke to Barry at length. Um, we had a lot of conversations uh, just to kind of bring me into the world that way. And um, I think... It was so kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was so over, kind of overwhelming um, that I just jumped right in. I was really scared. And I remember the first day, we haven't had like a table read, like the first day I got there or like the next day. And I remember Mike and I were, I think we were next door. And so like I banged on Mike's door right before. And I was like, <laughs> like, I think I just gave you a hug. I don't remember. I think it was just like, <laughs> you did. Yeah. I was really nervous. And I knew that kind of, I was the last one to be cast. So I knew that everything was kind of writing on this reading. Like, I don't know. I, I just didn't worst case scenario. Like maybe I bombed the reading and then they're like, I don't know, you know, so we're I, pulling I the plug like, on the whole movie. Yeah. No, that would, yeah. Or at least me. I didn't think they'd, pull the plug <laughs> on the movie, but they'd be like, sorry, sis. Uh, but it actually went really well. It, it, it just came out of me naturally. And I think it went really, really well. And so from then on, I felt really kind of clipped in and comfortable with everything. Yeah. It's just so funny hearing you say that, Johnny, because in my mind, there's never a question of who is going to play this role as soon as you sort of revealed yourself. And um, and I thought that when you were banging on the door and, and sort of having a panic attack, and then I thought that that was all in preparation to, to play Alex. I really thought, I was like, wow, he's going he's going full method. We're, here we are. Let's buckle up. And and I think, at least for me, like I sort of felt with, with Johnny this unspoken safety net of trust right from the beginning, right from day one. I think that we both had an understanding that this was very intense material and that we were going to have to be there for each other. 
uh, and have like sort of a safety net so to allow ourselves to be vulnerable and and play the violence and the sadness and the rage because so much of this movie is a push pull tug of war between these two characters and i mean i i, I never felt uh like johnny didn't have my back in any of this um even from the very beginning when we landed in upstate new york and we started we went to the gym together and in the movie yeah. there's there's this dynamic of like Shane, my character, bossing Alex, Johnny's character, around and in the gym. And it's so much of that drill sergeant mentality. So we go to the gym, and I just started bossing him around. And I'm like, and it was just right from the beginning, we were just sort of uh, in these, in the the mode of these characters. And it was really, uh, really fun. Well, uh, I never had so much fun at the gym. I th- Barry had this thing on set called, like, I think they're called Super Coffee or something. Okay. Yeah. It, it was outrageous, and I would have I had one of these before our first two, and I was like tripping the light, fantastic. Like I was like, <laughs> yeah, like let's do it. Like I was going so hard. We had a full day of shooting ahead of us, and I was like, I went really hard that first. I don't think I went as hard the second or third time I went. But yeah, that, first day, that super coffee man. That was yeah, yeah life changing. Super coffee. Um, so Barry is the director, Barry J, who's also the founder of Barry's Boot Camp, the big fitness franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried that once. Um, they make you run backwards on a treadmill. They make you do all this stuff. And I got so nauseous that they gave me a souvenir towel, which I still have to this day. And I think if I had actually thrown up, I would have got a T-shirt. Um, that's my <laughs> that's my Barry's boot camp story. I think they give you a T-shirt if you throw up. But, um, but I do like this idea of ma- gay men and fitness and their bodies. It's something we all think about if it's – not something you're well suited for, you feel like you need to be. And even if it is, you're like, I'm not enough. I still have to do more. And like, I like that this movie dealt with all of these real things. Can you talk about that dynamic and shooting those scenes and maybe the way Alex feels? Cause, cause Shane is obviously in great shape and really has built up like a suit of armor, I think, to deal with this pain. So that theme in the movie, can you address that a little bit? Um, yeah, I, I know that for me, uh, um, those scenes were always kind of daunting. We did, we did. I think all the like the training scenes first, right? And, like the battle scenes in the in the garage. Like we, that, those were all like our first two three days, right? And it was a bit of a heat wave. We remember, right? We were shooting like mm-hmm. in ninety, almost ninety eight degrees in that garage. Uh, mm-hmm. People were getting very sick because it was pretty dirty. Um, like our head of like sort of dressing, set dressing, cat. Like she got like mm-hmm. infections, poor thing, all over. It was wild. So it was really kind of baptism by fire. Right. And but again, Mike had spoke spoke spoken. That's not even a word Mike spoke about um having each other's backs and sort of having someone to kind of lean on in those places. I really leaned on him those early days because that was so out of my wheelhouse. It's the boxing the weightlifting, all of that kind of stuff. Right. It feels like, oh really, my gosh, I have PE class and I'm dreading it. I, like it's, it brings up all those feelings, right? Totally, totally. Yeah. And I was so like, I, I was I'm not quite out of shape, but I hadn't really done that in a really long time. And so he really kind of held my hand through all of that kind of stuff. And it was, it was again, it was the first thing we were shooting. So there was kind of this like a bit like just got to get through it energy. Right. And mm-hmm. I I think out of the whole filming for me i think those that first week was probably what i was proudest of because it was i hadn't worked we were in the pandemic for like a year and a half by yeah. that point i hadn't mm-hmm. done anything since since like february of the of 2020 and so that was like get your ass in gear and i was really lucky just to have a partner in that because you know sometimes you're on a job and 
that's just not part of the deal. That's yeah. not part of the dynamic. And, you, and, you know, we're all here to do a job. But when it does kind of reveal itself in that way, it's really beautiful. And I know that that put me in such ease early on that all the heavy sort of scenes that we shot later were a little bit more of a breeze. Also, time was of the end. Mm-hmm. We did not have time. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. like a three-take three, three take movie. Like, yeah. one, two, three, go, go, go. Wow. Like it was quick. Mike, how did you think about those physical scenes? And I, you've always been been fit, but did you step it up more to try to play Shane? Because I really feel like that's part of his armor. Yeah, so uh, I did. I did feel that way. Um, I felt like the physicality, the physical aspect of Shane using his body to sort of get what he wants in an aggressive, intimidation sense, but also in a seductive, lustful sense, uh, was so important to the character. So as soon as I said yes to playing Shane, I upped my workouts. I changed my diet. I gained. Um, I gained 13 pounds to play this role. Uh, and so I, I was on a very strict diet the next day. It was like protein shakes and chicken breasts and vegetables and, and, um, because, you know, I wanted, and then I started boxing classes, started, I took boxing classes two or three times a week, um, for two months leading up to filming because I wanted those scenes to come off as really authentic. Um, and, and that was, and I was nervous too, starting out, out with those scenes, starting out. Cause I wanted, if, if I'm not wrapping his hands correctly, if I'm not throwing a punch or if the, the ways that I'm training him are not authentic to somebody that's been doing it for a while, then none of Shane's backstory would have made sense. Right. And, um, and then, you know, the movie would have, these characters would not have been so dynamic. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely, the physicality was one of the main aspects I think of, of playing this character. I love it. Did you go and pig out when the movie was over? Maybe Chili's? Uh, oh, uh, no, no, no. You know, it, well, it's funny. So, so in order to, people ask me, like, oh, how'd you gain that weight? I incorporated a Chipotle burrito into my diet every single day because I, I have a hard time keeping weight on. Right on. And, and so I, I, um, <laughs> I, would, I, I, I made it a habit of right before bed to eat an entire Chipotle burrito, and that's how I put 13 pounds on. Shout out to Chipotle. Um, <laughs> there you go. Super coffee and Chipotle made the Right, exactly. Sherry Shepard is in the movie, and she's the most, um, the, the, probably the most uh, well-known name, you know. And when I saw her on the thing, I thought, oh, I bet she shows up once. Maybe she gay marries them or something. But I'm like, no, no she's no. in it. Like, she's in it to win it. She's great. She has great scenes with you guys. Can you talk a little bit about working with her? It was a dream for me. I love Sherry Shepard. Um I really only knew her from like a few episodes of, of comedy shows that she had done right. and like sitcoms and just, she's one of the girls. I love Sherry. Yeah. And from the view. And yeah. then she showed up. We, she, she loved Mike. First of all, Sherry loved Mike, but I loved Sherry. And so I was always kind of like singing like deep cuts there. We, we like a lot of the same music, like classic R and B and stuff. So like I do a little ditty. She loves Prince. She loves Janet. Right on. And so I, I try to get her going and she like took every pass that I made at her, uh, which was great. Are you going to the, are you going to the Janet tour? You mentioned she's touring. Oh, I, yes, I will be going to the, to the together again tour. For sure. Right. It's on my dream board. I have not bought tickets. It's Hollywood. I basically might be like selling off like parts of my body this year for concerts. (laughs) I just saw a tweet where somebody said between Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Madonna and Janet gays ain't going to have any money this year. It's it's out of pocket. It's I think Rihanna is going to announce. Oh no. All yeah, right, it's good. It's a, it's joyful. an embarrassment of riches. 
Um, I'm going to be on the bread line. Like, I'm like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm a concert junkie. Like, it's my favorite, like, hobby. Like, I just love it. So, I don't know. Wish me luck, y'all. Yeah. So, Mike, Sherry loves you. That's good to know. What was your vibe with her? What was your um, I I love Sherry. I um, kind of like Johnny. I had seen her in Thirty Rock, um, and so I knew her as a comedic actress. And right. then when I found out that she was going to do this movie, I rewatched Precious, and I was and I forgot she was me, in that. Is she in yeah, that? It re- she is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it reminded me how 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 amazing and capable she is as a dramatic yeah. actress as well. And so, and I didn't really know what to expect because there's two very different things. So, and then, like Johnny said, when she showed up on set, she made a couple jokes. She made herself comfortable, and then you know, it was it was never a dull moment on set. Johnny, yeah. Johnny, and Sherry <laughs> would serenade us every day with a new song. <laughs> no, it, was, it was fun. It was for such a serious movie. We had we we laughed a lot. It's heartening for me to hear that you guys had such a bond because your characters are so different. And and Mike's job is to manipulate you the whole time, but also you're yep. you're what you're dealing with is different. Like Mike, your performance is really subtle. You don't do a ton, you know. Like it's like that slow sort of sinister, like less is more thing. How did you think about that? Were you like, is this coming across? Do I need to be a little nuttier? Like, how did you think about that? Because it's very subtle. Yeah, I, I I didn't want him to be nutty at all. Yeah, uh, because I think that very easily it could have slipped into this archetype of you know, this cartoon sort of character. Right. And for me, in my in my mind, um, Shane, I think the reason for that stillness is um, because I I almost view Shane as as like a wild animal, almost like a wolf that you inv- invite into your house. And in some ways, it's a wolf, and it reminds you of a dog, and you can pet it, and you can cuddle with it. But one wrong move, and that wolf will bite your face off. Right. And 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 sort of animals, when they're not in environments where they're comfortable, they sort of observe everything. They're very still. They're very postured, and and they act. They react to things. It's they're not the ones leading conversation, being warm or anything like that. So for me, I, I wanted in in every way except for like the gym and training Johnny, I wanted to just observe and react. Um, and unless it was sort of a game and this cat and mouse game. So when I was training, you know, when, when Shane was training Johnny, then he was comfortable. Then he was drill sergeant. Then he was whatever. But even then he wasn't very warm. Yeah. Um, I think the, and then, and then the scene with, um, with Dale, with Mitch Silpa, um, Mitch, I, I, I yeah, think Mitch such such an amazing scene. It's one of my favorites in the movie. And I think that in, in that, thank you, in that scene, you sort of see uh, Shane be a little bit warm and a little friendly, but then you realize it's all an act. And so it's it's just this weird, like, psychotic, sociopathic mindset that I sort of had to have, um, which was why I was scared to play him in the first place. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you, you noticed the stillness because that was... Uh, intentional right it really isn't until that mitch scene until you're like oh shit you know here we go <laughs> yeah. what do yeah. the people in your yeah. life think of this movie because it's a different kind of character for you are they like ooh, creepy yeah there uh so there are a lot of uh because i was on days of our lives yeah. for on and off for two years and and soap fans are really loyal and they keep reaching out after i posted about this this yeah. movie they kept they're reaching out like oh when can i see it when can i see it and i'm kind of nervous for that crowd especially 
to see this movie because it is very different than anything I've done. And um, yeah, I don't know. The people we premiered at the Burbank Film Festival. Right we, on. Uh, a lot of you know my friends because it's in in town, so a lot of my California friends were able to come, and the response was fantastic. And they, you know, I had friends that I've known for a decade come up to me and hug me and say that I scared the shit out of them. Yeah. So it was kind of a nice, yeah, it was like a nice kind of thing. And and we we did. We won uh, Best LGBT Feature Film, and we won the Audience Award, which was also an amazing thing um, and and speaks to how far we've come, I think, as an audience members and in entertainment in general. The fact that a film that is Best LGBT Feature, you know, of the festival wins the Audience Award against every other genre, every yeah. other film, like like an LGBT film wins the entire festival. Um, and really it's a creepy just, one, too. It's not a feel-good, it's not like yeah. a feel-good fun movie. It's like creepy as F, you know? So um, yeah. what did your husband think of it? Is he like, you? that's creeping me out? Oh, yeah. He said, um, well, first he was like, I really like this diet uh, because of the shower scene. He's like, keep yeah. it up. Right on. And, um, <laughs> solid shower, solid shower scene. Not too much. Just enough. Not it wasn't thirsty. Enough. It wasn't thirsty. It had a meaning. Yeah. It had a meaning. He was trying to wash away what he had done. That's how it, my, that was my takeaway. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So so he went to an earlier screening when yeah. it was like a work in progress kind of thing. And the shower scene was much longer, yeah, um, almost uncomfortably longer. It was like a thirty-second wow. scene, and I was like, I was like, why? We can't. What is going on? Like, we can't, this can't be. And it just felt like forever. Did it just feel like forever? And I was like, I was like, you guys, I'm, I, you know, I'm really proud of the work I did, but also at the same time, I mean, uh, well, come on, let's 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 cut it down a little. Save bit, a little so. for the DVD. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, Johnny, I'm going to tell you how we met, and I don't know if you'll remember this. Outfest 2015, Orpheum Theater. You were there, <gasps> and there was like this pizza place by the street at the front of the Orpheum, and we yes. struck up a conversation, and we talked for like a half hour. Like we talked for a long time. I, so there was a pizza place and like a taco. Yeah, maybe we went and did a taco thing, and but you were like really right ex- next door. Or whatever. Yeah, it was like an outdoor. I. Yeah. Do you remember that? I, I was just gonna say, do you remember that someone stole my iPod? That yes, I think you I were. Forget. We had this long like hangout. At the end, I was like, <gasps> "But yeah, but I thought you were so charming, and you had a wonderful Sorry. energy, and you were excited about Stonewall hadn't come out yet, and you were excited, and and that party is really fun. But it's also like where you see a million people but don't really connect or talk or whatever. And I was like, I had this great conversation with this young actor from New York, and. He's gonna. I think he's gonna be great. I thought I had this feeling like. So sweet. Yeah, but anyway, I, I remember that moment vividly. So there's that. Um, that night was that the night of Tig Notaro's. I bet it uh, was. Doc, I think we were at the screen yeah. for the Tig. Yeah, I yeah. do remember. It was so much fun. Yeah. I'd never really hung out in downtown yeah. LA before. Yeah. Uh, so that was like all new to me, and it was like amazing. I know at the end of the night, I was kind of sad because I had like this vintage. 200 gig iPod with like my whole life on it. Oh That's my gosh. This was. And I had, I think I had set it down for a second and I guess someone had taken it. I didn't lose it because we cleaned the place looking for it. Oh. It just was a snap, and it's gone. But, that yeah, was the it's night. Been, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. I got Spotify that night actually. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so you always remember it. Um, Mike, you mentioned Days mm-hmm. of Our Lives. I have friends that are obsessed with that show and I text them and told them I was interviewing you. And I'm going to read you their text back because they made me smile. Okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's sweet. Um, 
Uh, any, I said, I'm interviewing Mike. Do you know any thoughts about him or his character? And then Doug wrote back, he played a rapist that was murdered, but he keeps coming back as a zombie or as a ghost. We keep hoping he has a twin brother that he can play. Um, and we love him. That was the thing. So you did a zombie and a ghost? Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I support it. I think it's cool. That's awesome. How, how do you... What did you learn from your time on that show? Because I bet they give you scripts and you're like, whoa. Like, what does that teach you as an actor? Uh, make so it work? It, that, make it work. And the um, some of the days, uh, I started on that show September 1st of 2020. So up until that point, and everything closed down because wow. of COVID, yeah. March 13th of 2020. So for six months or whatever it was, uh, I didn't work and everything was shut down. The entertainment industry was frozen. So it was my first project back. And I had everybody that I talked to that had been on soaps all told me how, how quickly they moved. And it's like, you get one take, maybe two, that's it. And so I was uh, nervous going into it. And the first day, sure enough, I had four pages. The second day I had seven pages. The third day I had 10 pages by the second or third week, I was doing 40 pages a day because they shoot an, an episode every single day. And in the beginning, I was so resistant to it. I was, I would drive home overthinking, like, what did I say? What choice did I make with this, with that? And then after a couple of weeks of doing that, you just, you can't, uh, you can't sort of overthink everything. So you just show up. It's almost like live theater. You just show up, you give a be your best performance you can, and then you leave, and then you sort of leave it on the stage. You, you go home and then you memorize your script for the next day and you just kind of have to do it. And I have so much respect for soap actors uh, a lot of soap actors you know um julianne moore and you know and, and others um started on soaps yeah and and i think it's a it's a tremendous amount of training and now what i've taken is that i i don't need a ton of prep time um for the lines or the blocking or whatever else i, I take just as much prep time for character development and building it the world out but um but for you know, memorizing lines and everything, that sort of muscle has, has now been developed and, and, and that's, that was fun. But, um, yeah, I don't think that I'll ever play a character again where I'm on the show. I start out as a, a nice guy with glasses. Right. Yeah. He's, he's like this goofy assistant. And then it turns out that you, that he is the half brother of one of the leads and he's a secret brother that nobody knew about. And then he, uh, <laughs> he, he starts to do bad things and, and then, um, and then he dies and then uh, for the Halloween episode, they brought me back as a zombie, and then they yeah. killed me. And then they brought me back the next Halloween episode as a ghost, then they killed me. And then most recently, they brought me back as a figment of my mother's imagination for wow. 12 episodes. So, uh, and, then, and then I'm gone. So, yeah. Um, well, never was, say never. Was, maybe there's a brother. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But it was, it's, it was a wild ride. But yeah. it, was, it was fun. It was, and the people I got to work with, my mother on that show, Tamara Braun, yeah. uh, was just so lovely and delightful and, and, um, and became like my mother on set. So yeah. it, was, it was fun, even though I was playing a, an unsavory character. Sure. A zombie slash ghost uh, slash figment. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, Johnny, I, I want to ask you one question about Stonewall. What did it feel like sure. to be on that set in the middle of a riot? Like, what did that feel like to be recreating that? I say this all the time when people ask me. I don't know what they're expecting, but the the film didn't wasn't received well at all. <laughs> oh but yeah, I, I remember that. We, but I, yeah, I, I'll never forget it. That's for sure. But when we were all on set, 
we all felt as if, and I'm talking about everybody, the cast, the crew, especially in Montreal, we shot in Montreal. Everyone had this, the most incredible feeling of like, we were doing something so special and cutting edge. And like, we were telling a story that the masses had just not seen in, in theatrical form on this like stage. Right. And we were so honored to be a part of it. Like every, I've never in my life ever been a part of anything like that. It, it was like being at summer camp. It was just, the hours were insane. Um, we were all, most of it was shot on a, on a soundstage in an old train factory. So yeah. they took this old train factory and re- replicated Christopher Street in almost a three-dimensional set. So, like, all the apartments, you could actually, like, go up into the apartments. It was because they didn't know where they were going to shoot, and, and Roland Emmerich shoots, like, in very wide frames. Yeah. He shoots wide, 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 all the way in. And we do about 20 takes of setup. So it was, those were long days. But we were in this, like, weird, like, fantasy land of, like, I'm from New York. So, like, I was like, this is, like, New York. But, like, we were on the sound stage. It was crazy. We, like, never saw the sun. We never saw the sun rise or go because we were always just there. And it was magical. It was to the most the most special experience of my entire life, I think, was shooting that movie for two months I think they had a three-month shoot, but I was only there for two months for the last two. And um, it was, it was the, I, I, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tongue-tied about it, but it was the most special thing that I've ever been a part of. It was yeah. so devastating, and it went so so badly. But, you know, I'm actually still really close with a bunch of the kids that we were all, yeah. like, working on film. And so we just kind of all, it kind of just was for us, because yeah. a lot of people haven't actually seen the film. It's just kind of this little thing that happened and it i i really learned how to act on film making that movie yeah like i learned everything on the fly it was it was incredible one of the most incredible experiences in my life and you got to throw things right you throw some you throw some stuff right i i, I bottles punches <laughs> yes balls. like i was throwing everything right. it was great you mentioned the way the the movie came out and, and didn't get the best reaction. I think careers in entertainment go have those ups and downs, right? Like things that you think are going to be big the, aren't. Not not getting the best reaction <laughs> is putting it so lightly. What was that so like? Lightly. Was it heartbreaking for you? How did that feel? It was tough. It yeah. was really really tough. Um, on a completely selfish level, it felt really bad. Because a lot of the press uh, was saying there like wasn't a lot of people of color and a lot of not queer or LGBTQ right. actors in it. And here I was, one of the leads, and I'm Puerto Rican from the Bronx, and like a very queer. I've always been. I never was not out uh, in the industry once I started working. So that felt personal. I know, right? Like, like I'm in the. I'm, I'm there. Really yeah. yeah. Wasn't personal. Yeah. People just didn't know. And it's not their fault. Right. Uh, I knew it wasn't about me, uh, but because we had poured our heart and soul into it, and that, you know, I, I was the lead, the lead of that movie. Yeah. And it felt like making it felt so heroic. And then once it came out, it, it really kind of it was so unexpected. And you know, just everywhere you, I went, just people kind of giving me dissertations about why it was horrible, but hadn't seen it. And I don't disagree with a lot of the things people say. I have not one to disagree, but it, it hurt a little bit. Yeah. On in the time, like those few years, like because no one had seen it, yeah. And so no one had really seen that. I mean, say what you will about the film, but I think I did a great job. So I think um, you were you were one of my favorite characters, by the way. Yeah. In that film, you crushed Thank it. You. Thank you. And I, and I do think I, I do think someday audiences will go back to appreciating that film. I think that most of the resistance came from 
older activists and members of the gay community that uh, knew totally. what, what what really happened. And so I think it was more of a uh, an attack on some of the liber liberties that were taken with some of the historical facts and maybe some of those characters not giving, you know, getting um, portrayed correctly. But like, I feel like in terms of uh, telling a young, a story about young activists standing up for themselves, I think, I think I thought your character was great and you did such a great job. And, and I, I really think that someday people will look back on that movie and, and, and appreciate it a bit more. I hope. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to share something that I observed recently in my life and just see if you guys have any comment on it. I hope so. I watched. I hope so. I hope, yeah. Um, I watched your movie and then I watched, uh, last night I saw uh, Knock on the Cabin and I saw the oh. Marie Bartlett Last of Us episode with Nick Offernan from Last of Us. And I saw, I watched Bros again and I'm seeing all these openly LGBTQ actors crushing it. And I feel so happy and proud. I don't know why it makes me proud. I saw a knock on the cabin last night, and they're fighting, and I'm like, yes! Like, I, I don't know why it feels so good. I know it should always be the best actor, and it shouldn't matter, but it does. Like, I feel it. It does. And I felt it watching your movie. Can you speak to that at all from your point of view, what this moment feels like and, and what it means to you to be part of it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it just... I think to what you were speaking to, it's just, there is a sense of pride. There's a, there's a, an internal hug and like a sense of solidarity when you see fam doing, doing in, in the limelight. It's not, it's still not that common. It's changing mm -hmm. so now. We're yeah. getting so many more queer actors, uh, non-binary actors, trans actors who were able to be pushed out to the forefront but that's all relatively fresh and we still got a far way to go but i'm glad Dennis, that you feel that feeling that kind of excitement and like almost like a familial connection it's it's wonderful yeah i, I felt it, it, it was profound in a way and mike what do you think about that idea well i think that representation uh is so incredibly powerful both in front of the camera and behind the camera. I think in front of the camera, allowing young people especially, it's hard enough to be a young person in this world uh, today. And and so allowing young people to see themselves in these roles, uh, you know, people that look like them and talk like them and love who they love. <clears throat> um, I said this in my in my Emmy speech, because um, the, the Emmy was for a character on a show called The Bay, and it was in season six of The Bay where my character gets married to another man. And in that scene, I'm wearing the suit that I wore in my actual wedding. And it oh, was wow. such a it was such a powerful moment for me. Uh realize like just I had to take a step back and I'm saying I said, I am portraying a character that is gonna show every young person that may be watching this that they are capable and deserving of the same kind of love. And it is at a time where gay marriage is legal in this country, which hasn't been for very long. Yeah. And 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 I am wearing the same suit that I was able to wear at my wedding to my husband. And it was just it really um, reminded me how far we've come and also that we cannot take any steps backwards. It has not been too too long that these types of characters have been, quote unquote, allowed on television and that, uh, you know, the LGBTQ plus community has been, quote unquote, given the same rights as everyone else. And so, you know, there are things happening in our world today that threat threaten those those some of that progress. And um, and I think that film and television media in general is, is a way to combat that and to 
change hearts and minds and to remind people that, you know, we're here and we're just like everybody else. And, um, and I think the entertainment industry and actors and writers, producers, directors have a responsibility to continue that narrative because it is so important. Yeah. I was reading an interview with you and it was talking about when you were on the real world and it was about to start and you made a decision to be honest about your sexuality and you that hadn't been planned. You didn't know. Have you ever thought about what it had been like if you had not made that choice? Have you ever, oh. looked, is there an alternative? Oh. Cause you could have, there's an alternative version of you that yeah, could have existed yeah, no. and done well. Have you I ever mean, thought about ex- that? I had a pregnancy scare with my ex-girlfriend in college. And if that, if that wasn't a pregnancy scare, if it was a real pregnancy, that would have changed my life. And I'd be probably, you know, I'd be an investment banker in Colorado right now, teaching my kid how to drive. And that is a scary, scary, crazy idea. Um, so yeah. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> well, just, just, I think it's really, I think it's kind of amazing and remarkable and, and, my, and admirable that you chose at that young that I would rather be honest, <clears throat> excuse me, that I'd rather be honest about myself than, than, than try to, I don't know, uh, to still live some kind of lie. Yeah. Well, I, I knew, I realized really quickly that I was going to be stuck in, a, you know, the premise of real world. You're stuck in a house with seven strangers and you've never met these people. You're in a place where you've never been before. We were in Washington, D.C. and it was three and a half months. And so I realized that I was not going to be able to lie and fake it for three and a half months. And so, um, and also I, I sort of had this sickening feeling that if I wasn't honest and I wasn't at least, I mean, and I didn't have myself figured out at that point, but I could at least be honest about not having myself figured out and, right. and going, going through that struggle. And I said, if I didn't do that in an authentic way, then I would, I would regret it forever. And I'd be um, on television on the show as a, as a liar. And, you know, and I, and I made the choice to, to be authentic. And, and I think that's why people responded the way they did, because I wasn't doing it to get attention or screen time or whatever. I was just being honest about some of the pain and, um, and just this, the confusion that I was feeling uh, with myself and, you know, is it a phase? Is it this? Is it that? What does my heart feel? And I was going through some of these emotions for the very first time, and it just happened to be on, on television. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, and I, I'm a generation or two up from you guys, but I, I look at what's going on now with comics and people like Bo and Yang and stuff like that, and it just makes me feel so good. I just, I, I just want, you know, get, get that Netflix money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. you know, and I feel like I, a small part of like the generation that came before and tried to do stuff. And I think it's awesome. Um, tell well, you me- said, you said comics, Superman son of Kal-El is my new favorite comic. And the fact that they are making the son of Superman bisexual and not only that, but they, but he is involved with it marches for the environment and he falls in love with this boy. And he, you know, it's just, and it's Superman. How it's, do we get, you got to play that part. Is oh it, are my, you, yeah. are you the From right age? To, oh, I, I will make my, yes, I am the right age, whatever. Yes. The answer is yes. I would, that is a <laughs> dream role. I would die. I would die if I could play yeah. something in the Superman universe. That would be amazing. What's your dream role? What's your, your dream gig, Johnny? What's like the phone call you wish you could get tomorrow? I, I it's funny we're talking about comic books. I really want to play Witch Boy. Uh, he was like a villain in in the DC world. Yeah, he's just so cool. Yeah, oh, he's got these kind of like this 
hair kind of like mine. It's got the kind of horns kind of coming out. He wears like suits and sunglasses. He's just, I always read him as super queer. He's, he's in a bunch of different, he doesn't have his own standalone, but he's a villain in a couple of different DC comics. I really want to play Witch Boy. I know that they're doing like Viola Davis's character is getting a spinoff show on HBO Max. And I'm just like my spidey sense of like ding, 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 ding. So I don't know that that would be really cool. Well, I also really play Frederick Lorca, actually. You want to play who? It's my, one of my favorite writers. It's just so interesting. Frederick uh, Lorca. Right on. Do you know Lorca? He's a Spanish playwright. Um, I've heard the name, but I don't know the word. He was murdered by, like... Yeah, he was murdered by the government for being gay, actually. It was really sad. But he, he came to New York. Wow. The, I want to say the 30s or the early, late 30s, early 40s. Quite, don't mess me on the dates there. But he went to Colombia and his whole world like opened. And so I liked that. I was like, Oh, we have this weird New York connection. So kind of putting that in my back pocket, I really like to play Lorca. We're putting it out in the universe. Um, before I, I have one question before I let you go, how can people see the movie, uh, the way out? Yeah, it, it will be on streaming platforms everywhere. Uh, February 10th, it'll be on Deco, which is uh, an LGBT platform. And then it'll be on Amazon, Apple to be, uh, and I think Google play, I think on February 10th. Right on. Um, here's my final question for you guys. I love ca- talking to you guys. And this movie is so good. It reminded me of Apartment Zero, which is like a movie from the 80s. Do you, have you guys, do you know that movie? Check it out. It's got a very similar, it's got a very similar vibe. Two roommates, one's homoerotic. It's creepy. It's, it's very Apartment Zero. Ooh, I, I love it. I wonder if, I wonder if Barry, Barry might actually like that. Yeah. Movie. I wonder if he, yeah. if he was inspired at all. That's amazing. Um, so the movie's very dark at times, very heavy, big subjects. What's a memory of making it that you'll always treasure? Um, that's a tough one because I the experience was really the experience as a whole was really special to me because I was I was I was pretty sad. Like the pandemic, you know, hit everybody pretty hard, and it was really rough for me personally. Um, and I felt like when I got to, when I got the opportunity to do the movie, it felt. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it felt really, I felt really lucky. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I could still do this every, you know, as an actor, you do a job and then you, right after it, you're like, oh, what's like, it's just, yeah. it's, it gets so scary. And, uh, so I think that was really making, it was really special for me. I guess if I had to think, what was your favorite? Mike? Yeah, that's an awesome answer, Johnny. Shoot? So if that, if that's a great answer. So if no specific moments jump out, that's totally fine. What about you, Mike? What will you always um, appreciate about the, the the making of it? What I would appreciate, uh, what I appreciate is um, Barry. Uh, you know, Barry in and of himself is a success story, I think. You know, he experienced some of this abuse as a kid, and then he went on to creating one of the most popular gym franchises in the world, Barry's Boot Camp. And then he is now going on to pursue his dream as a writer-director. And... Um, you know, you, you write what you know. And, and so he created this, this movie to sort of as a uh, hoping for some catharsis in terms of getting past what, you know, what he had faced. Right. Um, but also, but also as, as sort of, um, a cautionary tale of the harmful effects of, of drugs and alcohol, um, which he also has experience with. And so being on set with him, we would have some really emotional scenes where he would, he would, you know, talk to me or talk to Johnny and we would do our performances 
And when it was when it was good, when we got a good take, he would just light up behind the monitor, and he would you could you know, hear him like you so could, far away. Oh yeah, oh no, we would. So sometimes he would be in the same room with us. Sometimes he'd be five rooms over, just watching, and you would hear him go, "Yeah!" Like after, like, the, yeah! like, yeah, like after flat out. If it was the take that he loved, he was just so. And then other days, the 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 material was so hard that he would have to hop on Zoom with his therapist and sort of check in with that person. And, and, um, and it was just, just, that doesn't happen every day when you have a filmmaker, you know, it always starts from top down. And when you have somebody that's uh, the captain of the ship that cares so much, it sort of permeated every other aspect of filming. And even though some days we were in a, a dark, uh, dusty garage, uh, we, you know, everybody just sort of felt like we were, uh, you know, we were lucky to be there and happy to be there and, and sort of, um, you know, on this adventure with Barry and, uh, and it was, yeah, it was kind of special. Yeah. I mean, I think never for a moment was it lost. I think like the whole, even the crew, we had a small crew, but it was pretty much the same people every day. Everybody knew this was Barry's story. And so everybody kind of was working with that in mind. Like we all really wanted to honor, everybody really liked Barry. He's very likable. He's such a jolly guy. And so that, Part of it was absolutely true. The entire crew came together, and we we never for a second didn't know it was Barry So There was, like, extra attention, I guess. They really wanted to get it right, which was special. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked working with Ashley, too. So Ashley and I had met on the television show that I had done previous, Katie Keene, um, where we were, like, girlfriends and roommates in this, like, silly, silly comic book show. She plays and Gracie, right? my first gig back... Yeah, she plays great. She broke my heart a little bit. She's really good. She broke my heart a little bit. Right? Yeah. Awesome. She broke my heart. In the scene where it's her and Sherry, I just get roughed up. I'm, like, on the couch, passed out. And she has a whole, like, sort of soliloquy where she's like, how could you do this, Alex? Like, how could you do this to me, like, about her show and everything? She did it, like, first of all, she did it like that. And it was only, again, three takes. And it was amazing. She came yeah. in, she did her work, and she bounced. She was on another show. She was shooting yeah. something in, I think, North Carolina, and she yeah. was in and out. And it was, it was so I felt really just lucky that I got to like close that chapter. But she helped me kind of come into my new chapter. So it was I felt really safe in everybody everybody's arms. And it was cool watching the chemistry between you two because you had worked together. There are other like you gave in the movie it's gracie jean but you would call her gj and like you found these other moments where it wasn't necessarily on the page yeah. um and i think it just added to your to your chemistry which made the untangling of that friendship in the movie even more um uh sad you know even even because you saw the how wonderful it was and then you saw it unravel and it made it even more tragic i think um uh, without giving anything away you know I, but I it was agree. fun to watch you and yeah. yeah, I almost gave something like major away. Actually, and I was like, oh. "It's all good. Good, good, good. good job, good job." I totally did, but I agree with you, Mike. Like that, I think that is one of like one of the assets of the movie for sure. You guys, that was so much fun talking to you. Thank you for doing the podcast. I, I think everyone should seek out your movie, The Way Out, and uh, look forward to all the stuff you guys will be doing down the down the road. Thank you, Dennis. Oh, thank you, Dennis. Johnny, if I find your iPod, I'll let you know.
I wish I could find <laughs> oh it. Oh my god! That's Wouldn't it be so awesome if I could just hold it up? Day. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, Dennis, I would die because yeah. like I had spent my that was like back in the LimeWire days. Okay, so I had albums and recordings yeah. of things that like don't even exist oh. anymore, and they were all on that fucking pod, man. Oh, it's heartbreaking. And heartbreaking. I have to move on with my life. All right. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye, Johnny. Take care, guys. You. Bye. 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 Thanks again to Johnny and Mike. Check out their movie, The Way Out. It comes to streaming on February 10th. So this happened. So the other day, I get a text from an old friend of mine named Carol Steiner. Um, we grew up near each other, and I spent a lot of time with their families, the Gutteries. Uh, Steiner is her married name. Uh, mostly with Carol. I spent the most time with her. We hung out and did a lot of crazy things growing up. And um, I get a random text from her saying, hey, is your address the same? I have something I want to send you. And I was like, hmm, what could this be? So, yeah, my address is the same. So I thought it might be an old letter or a card or something. So I get home one day, and there's a big box on my um, front doorstep. And so I'm like, what is in this box? So I decided to record a unboxing video of this box because I had a feeling it was going to be something like a flashback childhood moment, and I just wanted to capture it on video. So I'm going to play you the audio from that video right now, and it tells a little story. Okay, so this is going to be one of those box opening videos, and this is the box I'm going to be opening. And here's the story behind it. Um, growing up, one of the families that I hung out with the most, that were very dear friends of mine in Holbrook, Arizona, were the Dettery family. And they lived a few doors down from us, and we used to always play together. And we went on trips together. They took me on trips sometimes. They're amazing. They're an amazing family. And the person I probably spent the most time with was Carol Guttery, who is a couple years younger than me. And we used to always do crazy fun things. And one time we went and saw a fireworks show and listened to the Go-Go's. And we both had big ups and had to pee so bad that we couldn't make it back in time to pee. <laughs> anyway, it's not, not important. The other day, she texted me and she said, I have something for you. Do you still have the same address? And I was like, yeah, uh, I do. And she goes, I'm going to send it to you. And so I had no idea what it was. And I thought it would be a small box. And when I got home, this is what it is. So we haven't opened it. And here we go. Enzo, what do you think? You ready? All right. I did cut it open, but I have not looked inside. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, wow. There's a letter. I'm going to read the letter. Hi, surprise, you are now the owner of the Guttery's 45 Jukebox Collection! Yay! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, here's the thing. I had a feeling that might be it because the Guttery's had a jukebox in their basement and that's where I developed my obsession with having a jukebox in your house. Like, you could do it. And it was really cool. It had like a bubble and you still see them sometimes and it kind of had a thing. And there are certain songs when I hear them, I'm like, that's a Guttery jukebox song. Like, um, Get Closer by Seals and Crofts. And what I remember about it is somehow the label was wrong. They had the name Caroline Willis as the artist instead of Seals and Crofts. And maybe she was a songwriter, but that's stuck in my brain. The other song I remember is SOS by ABBA. And there's going to be a bunch more. Holy shit! Okay, I'm going to read the rest of this letter. You are now the owner of the Guttery's 45 jukebox collection. When I saw that you fixed up an old jukebox, I couldn't call my mom fast enough. Her mom is Ordeen, the sweetest lady, and um, so fun. Okay, fast enough to see if she still had all of our 45s laying around. She was excited to give them to you and wants me to tell you how much she loves you. 
Oh man, if you're ever in Hobart again, please stop by and see her. She turns 92 this year and is slowing down a lot. 92. Because, yeah, my mom and her used to hang out. And my mom passed away in 2000, so it's been 22 years. Wow. Things at my house are doing good. And just an update on that. Ugh. Guttery family doing pretty good. Lots of new grandbabies and weddings. I love the Gutteries. They took me on trips when I was a kid because my family never went on vacations. And they would take me like Lake Havasu and like other places. And they were great. They're great. They are great. And I love them. And the dad, Willard, to me growing up, he was what a good father was. Not that mine was awful, but my father was like, not like someone that was like, how was your day? Like, that's, that's not his move. And, and Willard, I, he, in my mind, growing up, like, you know how some people are like, a sitcom dad is like a good dad. For me, it was, it was uh, Willard. And just a great family all around. So, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Sean Cassidy, right out of the gate. Wow. Right out of the gate. Oh, my God. The floaters float on. Holy shit, Art Garfunkel, all I know. Ugh. Oh my god, oh shit. Cher, Melody, Halfbreed, I bet, is on the other side. Halfbreed, I know, do I know my 45s? Neil Diamond, High Rollin' Man, I don't know, Walk on Water. Wow. Holy. Oh. <laughs> this is my childhood. This is why I wanted to have a jukebox. Ugh. Elton John, Benny and the Jets. <gasps> Elton John, Levon. And they have the sleeves. I know. This is the coolest thing in the whole world. And I can't go through all of them while you're here. But I just, I can't. This was all of their 45s when I was growing up. This is the reason I wanted to have a jukebox. And um, thank you to the Gutteries. You, you made my year and I love you. All right, that's it for my deep thoughts for this week. Uh, before I let you go, I want to give a shout-out to AJ Sousa for mixing the episodes, JB Bursey for uploading them. I also want to mention Mark Daniels, who wrote the theme music for the show. It's from Placement Music. That's it for this episode. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye! Bye!